When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. The Michigan football team is 4-0 after a win over Rutgers on Saturday in the Big Ten opener. The offense sputtered in the second half. Is that a concern going forward? We discuss on Wolverine Confidential. All right, guys. Nice to talk to you here on a Sunday night. Ryan, thank you for taking some time away from your beloved Green Bay Packers to join us. (laughs) It doesn't look like you really are taking time away from them, but you're here nonetheless. (laughs) So Michigan's offense, we talked about how it was somewhat vanilla, somewhat predictable, boring, one-dimensional for much of three games in the non-conference. But it was working, and Michigan won pretty easily. So you you could complain, but the results were there. When all those things I just mentioned are still true and it's not working so much, what do you make of that? And Michigan's performance in a 20-13 to 13 win over Rutgers on Saturday. We'll start with you, Aaron. I don't know. I got a lot of thoughts. I don't know. I guess we'll start in the first half. They they clearly came out looking to throw the ball more, and, and they did. I know that first drive, there's 15. Yeah, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say well, right off the bat. The, the, fir- <laughs> the first drive, 15 of the 17 plays were run plays. They, they established the run, and they got their touchdown early. After that, they clearly tried to throw the ball more. I mean, Cade had, by halftime, he had like 120, 130 of his 160 passing yards. You know, they established throwing like they had been before, but they were trying to throw in more of the passing plays. I mean, he completed... Let's see. Let's look at it right now. Four pass plays of 20 yards or more. So they're clearly trying to get down the field and, and create those explosive plays we kept hearing about in years past. The second half, I don't know what happened at halftime. I don't know if they decided to mail it in because they're up 20 to three and not show anything more. If they just didn't have confidence in, in throwing more out there, I don't know. We, I feel like we had the same conversation after the Washington game where you know they were 2-0 then. Now they're 4-0 having the same conversation but the only difference this time is that Rutgers was actually able to stop the run during the second half. I mean, you, I mean, really the whole game. I mean, if you look at it from a statistical perspective, you know, Michigan ran the ball 38 times for 112 yards. They averaged only 2.9 yards per carry. That's a stark difference from what they were they were doing the first three games. It was something in the six to seven yards per per carry average. So Rutgers was stacking the box. They were able to stop Michigan. I think this happened a week earlier than many of us expected it to. Now it becomes a question of what does Michigan do next week against Wisconsin? They're going to have to throw the ball because they're not going to be able to run it against the Badgers. And I too don't really get what happened there in the second half. I mean, I do that, the stock up, stock down report kind of right after the games. And 
after the first half, I had Kate McNamara on my stock up list because I mean he made some good throws. That the one to Mikey Sanders still could have been a touchdown. He did miss uh, Stoonmaker in, in the end zone on what should have been a touchdown, but he was making throws, looked comfortable in the pocket. And then in the second half, there was just no rhythm whatsoever. Out of sync, the, the receivers and tight ends just aren't getting open either, too. It's like there's not much confidence when they're running their routes. And that's that's a, a big concern moving forward against a Wisconsin defense that, yeah, they gave up 41 points, but that 41 points is not indicative of how the, the Wisconsin defense played. I mean, they held, I think, Notre Dame to 241 yards, averaged like 0.3 yards per carry. A lot of that was because of sacks, but Notre Dame's starting running back only had 33 rushing yards on 18 carries. So, yeah. Yeah, Wisconsin's I, offense was the one scoring for Notre Dame for the most part, <laughs> yeah. and there was a kickoff return for a touchdown as well. So That too, yes. I don't know. What what do you make of Kate McNamara's performance when all is said and done? Because, you know, looking back, we had a loyal, loyal listener text me that, you know, he thought he had happy feet. And, and watching it back, I kind of saw some of that, you know, just – for no real reason. Like Rutgers didn't seem to be getting that much pressure on them early in the game. So I'm not really sure where that came from, but you know, we're talking about, they didn't throw so often. So that's not on him, but when they did, uh, he wasn't, he wasn't crisp. I don't know if he's comfortable with these receivers. You know, I don't know if he has that go-to guy he can turn to. It almost seems like it's almost Eric all the tight end who happens to be his roommate too. So like once I think Ronnie Bell went down, it, yeah. It, it makes me wonder if if Cade just doesn't have that that, that reliable hand to, to throw to someone he's comfortable with throwing the ball because look Michigan's been trying to you know get Dalen Baldwin more involved here in the last couple of, couple of weeks because he's he's healthy and he's really one of the more experienced guys but remember he's only been on the roster for like what four months now so like I don't know if that chemistry is there and you've got again you've got and then you've got a handful of guys we've talked about in the past who've been on the program for a while but haven't done much and up up until this point four games in they haven't done much either. So I don't know how the chemistry is there. Clearly, Kate is not entirely comfortable in his role, what they're asking him to do. And quite frankly, I don't know if this is the type of offense that Cade flourishes in most. Because if you go back and look at his time in high school, he was in a spread offense. He, he wasn't afraid to sling the ball around, get outside the pocket and make plays happen. And, and you saw that early on in his Michigan career. I know obviously the circumstances were different, but when you, when you saw him come into that game last year against Wisconsin, what was the constant theme there? He was moving the football. He was slinging the ball down the field. I know it was different circumstances and there was no pressure. But it, it almost seems like this is a different Cade McNamara than what we saw come in at the end of the game, end of the season last year. I don't see micromanaging is the right word, but it, clearly they're asking him to to do to play a certain way. And then the coaches have made no bones about saying that you know they want him to manage the manage the offense, move the football, not turn it over, and and they're happy with that. Well, so far Michigan's four zero. But you've got folks on the outside crowing for more and wanting more from the passing game, and right now we just haven't seen a ton of it. I always thought when, when Josh Gaddis took over that we would see some sort of dual threat quarterback that can run these read options and, and to kind of keep the, the defense guessing. And none of Michigan's quarterbacks can really do that at this point. And, and none of their recruits moving forward. I mean, JJ has a little bit more mobility than I think Cade and, and Alan Bowman, but without the threat of Cade being able to kind of hold the ball in on a quarterback keeper or something and pick up some yards with, with his feet. I mean, I think that too is kind of hindering this offense a little bit. And, and like you said, I mean, the receivers only had five catches in this last game against Rutgers. Like that's, that's just not cutting it against team as the competitions are going to get tougher. So we'll see what happens, but 
I don't have, I have no idea which way I'm going to be leaning for this, for this Wisconsin game yet, but it, it's going to be a tough, tough game to predict. That's for sure. We can get into it later, but the odds makers don't know what to think of it either. I'll say yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When Ronnie Bell went down at the time, I was like, well, obviously it's really bad for him, but for Michigan, I didn't see it as a huge deal just because of the ceiling for this team to begin with. But now they've shown, I mean, the defense is, is much improved. The offensive line has gelled nicely. You know, the running game has uh, Saturday, notwithstanding has been very good. Like the ceiling suddenly raised from Michigan in my eyes. And now the more I think about Ronnie Bell, it's like, man, he could be the missing piece to a potentially great season because that is what Michigan is missing right now is that, you know, reliable and deep ball threat and, and yeah, someone that, you know, the quarterback just can count on. So yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a, hopefully for Michigan, not a never ending search, but it'll be a continued search for now for that guy. Listen, it was, it was a win when all was said and done for Michigan, a lot went well, especially defensively. Yeah. I guess what, what were some of the takeaways beyond the lack of passing game? Well, they kept Rutgers from winning the game. <laughs> Rutgers had opportunities there in the second half mm-hmm. to not only tie the game, but take the lead. I mean, they they gifted Michigan a field goal late in that second quarter after opting to go for it on fourth down. So, like, there were points left off the board by Rutgers. Michigan, I thought, I think you quote about it earlier today on live.com, but they, they did a very good job of bending and not breaking. I mean, they gave up yards. They let Rutgers move down the football field. But when, when push came to shove, they were able to keep them out of the end zone at the right times and come up with turnovers at, at key spots. So it fared well. But again, you got to look again, look at the look at the opponent. Rutgers, they're coming in. Their offense wasn't exactly potent. Um, they they'd been able to put up some points, and, and obviously they were three and zero coming in. But you, you start to wonder what Michigan's defense is going to look like against a more explosive offense. But again, at the, at the end of the day, I keep pointing to this. You know, Michigan is four and zero. You got to step back and look at this. You know, Michigan's four and zero. The, the goal at the end of the day is to win football games. And like Jim Marbaugh said a- afterwards, you know, they don't get bonus points for, you know, looking pretty or anything else. They're, they're 4-0. Jim Harbaugh is here to win football games, especially after the way last year ended. And I guess, you know, they'll, they'll take it. There's a lot to improve on, but I thought, you know, the defense, I think, was the reason they they were able to hold, you know, hold, stave off uh, Rutgers Saturday. What's kind of funny to me, too, going back to the offense again real quick is, Michigan scored touchdowns on how many straight drives or like what 10 of 11, 11 of 12 straight drives going back to the Northern Illinois game too. And then they just have one bad half and it just changes the outlook of, of everything moving forward too. So I mean, Michigan was able to do good things through these first four games. It's starting to get tougher from here, but yeah, I, there, there was some kind of concerns with, uh, with the defense too. I mean, they didn't win the line of scrimmage against this, this, Rutgers offensive line and a rushing attack that wasn't that great coming in. I mean, Pacheco had some pretty nice runs. I did not expect Rutgers to outgain the Wolverines on the ground on, on Saturday too. So Michigan did a good job of, of coming up with stops when they needed to, but it wasn't as clean of a performance on that side of the ball either compared to some previous weeks. Great point, Ryan. I mean, four games, that's eight halves. Only one has been bad. I mean, only one has been bad and it wasn't that bad when all was said and done because the defense, like you said, you know, bent, but didn't break. And uh, yeah, I mean, prevented it from being, you know, too lopsided in that half, you know, the offense didn't score, but one bad half. Yeah. That's, that's a good way to look at it. It's it's not, you know, all right, DEFCON level five or something. Now they're also healthy. I mean, that's another thing we talked about Ronnie Bell. That's really the only, that's the only guy they've lost for the season. That's the only guy they've lost. I mean, who's even missed 
you know, Zach Zinner got hurt before the season and, and, but he still has played in every Wait. game. I'm sure there's nicks and bruises we don't know about or, or whatever, you know, Josh Ross did have to come out for that second half, but you know, word from Harbaugh is that he'll, he'll be ready for, for Wisconsin. So yeah, there's a lot of good, a lot of good vibes going into to the first road game. Yeah. You, Zuki talk about expectations and, and everything else, but it, you know, if I would, if I would have sat here before the season started and told you guys, Michigan was before no, after their first four games, I think everyone would have, would have taken it. Everyone would have been happy with it. The fact that we've gone through these first four games, the way they played out, maybe some ways haven't played out the way the fans want to see it play out. They you know they weren't expecting it. I think that that's the interesting part here. You know, like I don't think anyone expected Michigan to run the ball as much as they have this year. Yet they have, and they've largely been successful doing it. But that one roadblock they came up, you know, against Rutgers on Saturday, and they struggled doing so. And everyone wants to throw things. So it's, I think Michigan is really in a damned if you do, damned if you don't mode here against Rutgers because everyone, keep in mind, yeah. including us, all of us expect Michigan to come into Saturday and roll Rutgers, run them over just like we'd seen them, seen them do the first three weeks. They didn't do that. They still got the win. So now everyone wants to, you know, especially the fan base, they want to, you know, criticize Harbaugh and, you know, and everything else. But I think if you're Michigan right now, you're seeing in a good spot. You know, I think expectations were raised a little bit after that Washington win. I think some there's some there's some cautious optimism there, right? Folks were thinking, well, maybe this team is better than these seven or eight wins some of these prognosticators were saying. Now, I think it's Michigan in a way was brought brought down to earth a little bit Saturday. Um, you know, the rushing attack wasn't as potent as it was the first three weeks. There's obviously question marks the passing game, but the question is where they go from here. I mean, they started 4-0 in 2017, and they proceeded to go 4-4 four and four after that. What happens from here? Does Michigan do the same thing? Do they win eight or nine games? The next eight games will be fascinating just to follow, I think. I will say this was, this is the first game. Listen, we all got it. We all got it right as far as who would win to run our streak for the season to a combined 12 and 0. But given that we all picked, you know, at least 20 point victories closer to 30 in some cases, I got to mark this as the first, you know, incorrect, inaccurate, you know, not spot on game for for the for the group but we'll try to group here for wisconsin much tougher task i will point out that i did pick Rutgers to cover all so right. i don't know if i get any credit for that yeah but you they do you get some credit then all right hey, you get a little credit. one of us all right so let's listen we'll have a podcast later in the week where we talk wisconsin but let's let's get into it a little bit here from from what we know so far wisconsin is not not the team that you know they we thought they were before the season and you know we being just kind of Big Ten observers or whatever national experts, everyone want to say they're no longer ranked after you know kind of a you know tough loss to, to Notre Dame. You talked about how it was maybe closer than it looked, but you know at the end of the day, Graham Mertz since his debut has just been below average. I mean, to be honest, he looked awful against Notre Dame. You awful. know, like they, it looks like they made the wrong decision, and you know Jack Cohn doesn't really he loses his job solely because of injury. Um, he kind of gets Wally pipped, but it happens over just one game. And then, all right, now, you know. I will say Jack Cone didn't look that good either on Saturday. <laughs> no. either. They didn't, Notre Dame didn't start moving the ball consistently until their backup came in. So both those quarterbacks actually didn't impress me much at all. Fair. But, yeah, the bottom line is this this Wisconsin team doesn't doesn't look great by any stretch. So, yeah, I don't know. You guys were talking about the spread. Was there something you wanted to, wanted to say about that as far as maybe line movement? Yeah, real quick, I'm not ready to write home this Wisconsin team yet. 
Uh, they're still the number two ranked te- defense in the country. They still can stop the run. Their offense does have issues. But keep in mind, I mean, they, they've still got a long way to go. I still think they're going to be a contender of the Big Ten West. I'm not ready to write them write them out just yet, after, especially after two losses. They were competitive with Penn State. It was, you know, a top 10, top five program. And and I do think right. that Notre Dame game was, was, you know, a ball game through, you know, three quarters or so. Yeah, they led in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I think I, I, I'm not ready to call them, you know, say that. Frogs, they have, yeah. Yeah, I'm not. I'm just not. And I think that's why you've seen these this line movement, Las Vegas. You know, I'll preface this by saying the first, you know, sports book to come out with a line today, as is every week in Las Vegas, the Circus Sports, they kind of set the line for everyone else. And the line moves based on movement from there. But they had, you know, Michigan as a one-point underdog. Uh, earlier this afternoon. Now, if you go and look at different books, not only across Las Vegas, but across the United States, and, and maybe some of those books that some of you use on your phones or you know in your apps, it's all over the place. Some people have Michigan as a one-point favorite. One didn't even have a spread up. Um, so it's it's clear to me that the, the sports books don't really know to, what to do with this game. They could see it going either way. And I think that's very emblematic of not only Michigan's start, but the, the unknown with Wisconsin, that they probably are a lot better than their record indicates right now. And this is the first time Michigan's going out on the road all year in front of fans again. So it's it's been a while since they've gone on the road and and faced a, a raucous crowd too. So there's there's a lot of unknowns heading into this game. It's the first game and road game in front of fans for about half the roster, including the starting quarterback, uh, Cade McNamara. I mean, he was he was on the team in 2019, but he never saw the field. So uh, that's a big deal. I'll say this: unprompted, two different my in laws and then my my family. They've been at two different Wisconsin games, the opener at, uh, against uh, Penn State and then this last past Saturday, uh, Soldier Field in Chicago against Notre Dame. And both said, very unimpressed with the Badger fans uh, against Penn State, felt like they were just kind of sitting on their hands most of the game. Even though it was low scoring, it was still tight right till the end and there just wasn't much cheering. And then this one, they kind of they left early. They weren't really, they were just, you know, they outnumbered Notre Dame, you know, the guess was maybe 55, 60%. And yet, yeah, just again, I didn't ask. They didn't know that each other had said this and they said this. So I don't know, maybe it's not the most, uh, you know, hostile environment that Michigan is entering on Saturday. I will say this. I'd probably sit on my hands too if you had to watch the Wisconsin offense. I mean, it's not like they're putting up a ton of points. And right. it's, a, it's a typical Big Ten team. They're going to try and win in the trenches and, and stop you from scoring. That's not exactly entertaining football, as, as you can ask the Michigan fan base right. You know, the last couple of weeks. They haven't been exactly happy either. So at least about the way Michigan's gone about it. So, I, yeah, I think it'll probably be a relative. Again, I haven't gone into details yet, but it, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a relatively low-scoring affair on Saturday. Keep in mind, it's noon kickoff Eastern time. It's going to be an 11 a.m. kickoff Central time there locally in Madison. So it'll be a, a little bit of an earlier start for Michigan, who, who like you pointed out, is in the road for the first time this year. And, and Madison has not been a friendly place for Michigan to play the last decade or a couple decades, really. So they're, they're winless since in the last five. They haven't won there since 2001. It, it's been a long time. In the last couple of times they've gone there, they've gotten, you know, trounced. So uh, Saturday is going to be, a, I think, a fasting matchup. And as I think I've said in previous podcasts, a real barometer, I, I think, of where this Michigan football program sits. Where did you rank Michigan in the, your AP poll this week? I had them lower. Uh, they 18. I had them 19 last week, moved them up one spot. And they jumped five in this week's actual AP poll, which I was kind of surprised. Uh, I think nationally, folks, I clearly did that. That second half didn't really bother them, <laughs> the AP voters. But yeah, I moved them one spot. 
you want to show uh, as a Michigan football program where you've had your, how this team is different from last year. This is your first chance. None of the non-conference games moved the needle in that regard. Beating Rutgers did not. You beat them last year, and you didn't really beat them any more soundly this year, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, you avoided, the, you avoided the big deficit early, but that's about it. You go and beat a team that beat you 49-11 to 11 at your place last year and 35-14 the year before that. And shoot, you want to forget comparing it to last year, the year before Aaron just said 2001, 20 years since they went. Jeez, Zook, were you even alive for Michigan's last win? <laughs> Easy At there. Camp Randall? I mean, this is this is just, this would be that statement win. Forget what we said about Wisconsin, maybe not being great or whatever. Like, this is a chance to say that this team is different and the first one. And like we said, for why that Washington game being such a possible, you know, a chance for Michigan to get to 4-0, and they've done that. You win this one, then you get Nebraska, Northwestern, you know, with a bye in between. Like, all right, now you're feeling like five, six, you know, seven, seven and all is possible before going to Michigan State. But again, this one is your first chance, noon kickoff on, on Fox on Saturday. Before the year, I said I, I gave Michigan a less than 25% chance of winning the, the game at Wisconsin. And obviously I feel a lot better about, about their chances now. So it just shows how much, Things can change after uh, after four games, so we'll see. I felt better about it before the Rutgers game on Saturday and seeing how how they struggled running the ball. I, I'm not so sure, but I, I do think it should be a competitive game. I, I think it's going to be fun. I, I think we'll learn a lot about this team, this offense, and yeah, you, you made a good point. I, I think it's very much a statement game. It's an opportunity for them to go in there and say, you know, we're for real, because you know what everyone's going to be saying if, if they come out of Madison Saturday with another loss. Absolutely. Uh, well, we want to hear your thoughts. We'll have coverage throughout the week on MLive.com slash Wolverines, but 616-222-1022 to drop us a voicemail. You can always reach us on Twitter as well. It's just our names. So yeah, thanks for listening to this episode of Wolverine Confidential. Wolverine Confidential.